We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... And welcome to Studio 222 at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome this week's gang. It's Gene Kitson, Tommy Dean and Will Anderson. And with the music, it's the White Top Mountaineers! Tommy and Gene are with me in the studio. Will is somewhere else. Hello, Will. Hello, thank you very much for having me. They're in the skies. Uh, Let's check that you're up with this week's news. Who realised, let me throw this to you, Will, who realised that something fishy was going on? I mean, there's only one man you go to in this situation, John West. Uh, He is the man who knows what fish to reject, and he rejected some fish in a fishing competition. This is the one I know, because they were trying to cheat Richard, I believe there was like, a, you have to have balls of steel to pull off a plan like this. And they had <laughs> balls of steel. They put them inside a fish and then they, uh, the fish weighed a lot more than they were meant to weigh. But I have actually heard the conspiracy online that they were actually anal beads they were using to cheat at chess. So <laughs> I don't a know lot of, there is a lot of sure. cheating going There's on in, in, in the cheating. most unlikely of games, right? Chess and fishing. Yeah. And poker. Yeah. So you had the anal beads. I learned that from Will's show, Question Everything, about the anal beads in chess. Yeah. And I'm not sure how they cheated using anal beads. I think they were Bluetooth. I don't know who had who was controlling them in the audience. Or maybe maybe they were using the anal beads to keep awake during chess. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, first, just so we're, I don't I don't actually believe he was cheating. I believe that the anal bead story was designed to make chess club more appealing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and this involved. this this does stink of them trying to make fishing more interesting. Like they've got to get a cheating scandal as well in the world of fishing so people pay attention to fishing. But but it is uh it's like a it is an interesting story because there was fish fillets like freshly yeah. cut fish fillets inside the fish, the fish. yeah, yeah. Which think, is like, I, lo- I love how far can you go in that sort of babushka doll of like, <laughs> I wish there were fish fingers. Well, that's what I thought, yeah, well, I thought it was like a turducken. <laughs> right. You know, it's like a fish cocktail inside a fish fillet, inside a fish. Oh, that's some good eating. That's yeah. good eating. Some I, chips in there as well. Oh, yeah. But you can tell why they're cheating. Have you seen the, the prize money was $30,000? Well, sure, yeah. I don't know why anybody's surprised. The minute you put big money on anything, yeah. people will start. Yeah. And this, you know, even the idea. I don't. I'm surprised we're only hearing about this now. Like the idea of filling the fish with metal. I don't know if you remember, like one of the opening scenes in Jaws, the 1970s movie. You know, they split the shark open on the deck, and all the, you know, like car parts and license yeah, yeah. plates and bicycles yeah. spill out. Surely somebody went, "Hey, there's an idea." Unless these walleye fish that they were fishing for, actually, you know, like what you're saying is they could have just eaten these lead weights. Right. I mean, the Michigan Lake is yeah. contaminated. You're very, Maybe it was lead contaminated. You're a very believing person, right? I'm, very, I'm <laughs> giving them the benefit of the trout. Doubt, I mean. Sorry, the doubt. I mean, I think we should at least give them the $30,000 because you know they're just going to blow it on Dim Sims potato scallops. Yeah, maximum chips. They don't care. They've got the money. It's the only it's the only competition in the world where drinking is encouraged. 
Like fishing, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that's what it would really be. Like, breathalyze them before you check the fish. <laughs> check the and fish. That guy pulled in that much weight and was it blowing a point one zero? Second question from this week's news. Who has said, damn those plants? Well, this is Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson? Homer Simpson said, damn those plants. But he was talking about the nuclear plants he works for. Uh, I think you're not talking about Homer Simpson. You're talking about Homer Perite, are you? <laughs> and he's about building the wall up on the Warrangamba Dam. And, and he's doing it because he cares for people more than plants. Yes. More than plants. Yeah. But without plants... There wouldn't be any people. That's what our food eats. Well, my food eats plants. But the, I, I heard the good news is he's not only going to build the wall, but he's going to get the plants to pay for the wall. <laughs> 14, 14 metres up, he says. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just a bit – we know it's a promise, right? It's like an election promise. It's printed on a whoopee cushion. It's never going to happen. It's like the very fast train. That's why we've got like – we've got five of the – Best virtual very fast trains in the world as we speak <laughs> because they never get done. The only, way, the only way is up, the water minister told me on four separate occasions during the one five-minute interview. <laughs> the only way is up. He was pretty pleased with the line, I think. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted to make sure I heard it. <laughs> but I would have thought it does seem, it does seem a, a odd I don't think, I, I think even just like promoting a proper fencing program in a neighbourhood, anytime you start talking about building the wall, it just feels like it has negative connotations. Oh, you think this is a bit Trumpian? It's, it's any time. <laughs> and this is even worse because at least the Trump wall made its point. We will keep the Mexicans on one side and the Americans on the other side. And this one, like we weren't displacing anything. This is like we're going to build this wall and it's going gonna, it's gonna to flood out an area. But that's going to make it safer for the people. What people? The ones that are going to move in when we build a new neighborhood. Well, that's right. That's this connected is connected by yeah. a fast train. It'll bring them right to the not going to be flooded place because of the wall. The, the government modeling did say it would save 7,000 people, and then it told you in the fine print that those 7,000 people don't live don't there yet. Don't live there yet. Yeah, but they're going to once I'm, they've built the wall. Yeah, I but won't somebody think of the fictional people? Like, what about them? And that's 7,000 people. And if they have families the size of the premiers, that's like maybe 100,000. <laughs> <so. laughs> uh, third question from this week's news. Who has taken charge of the charges? This is, uh, this is interesting. Uh, we're talking about uh, Europe. Uh, the European Parliament uh, wants to have a single charger. They are tired of the multi-charger world that we live in. Uh, Where all, Apple's got one and yeah, Samsung's got... All mobile devices are now going to unify behind one proper charger. And I, I'm not convinced. I get what they're getting at. I like... I mean, I see their point they're trying to make. I think it takes away a lot of power. As someone who now works in an office, yeah. uh, Rosie, who has the uh, Google charger, okay, she's very popular with the Google people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's just it's cutting tribes in half. Like, I personally, I keep the Apple Power. No. I'm the Apple Power guy at the desk. You want your Apple Power device? Go and see Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. You got Google, you go see Rosie. Yeah, yeah. You know? Lisa, she's got, she's got charge of the, uh, the Nokia. <laughs> she, nobody ever goes there. Is this, the only people, is this the only reason people like you in the office, Tommy? Not the only, but I would say it's important. <laughs> he gets visitors this way. Yeah. <laughs> people talk to him this way. Otherwise, they avoid him. We know what happens. Yeah, well, no, plus I have to, like, print out a sign-out sheet. <laughs> you know, you've got to sign it out. Time you took it, bring it back. You know, I put this check mark by your name. It's all very efficient. 
Well, this is a very selfish reason you're talking about because I think they're actually heroes because not only do we have different charges for every brand, but every time iPhone brings out a new phone, it brings out another yeah, charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's never enough charges. There was a wide one and then there was a little one. It doesn't stop families stealing charges from each other. You go to bed, you've got to plug your phone in, and the charger's gone. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's someone in the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, the but thief, is, the thief within. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I just wonder how, you know, the European Parliament, how Europe is going to actually have any charge at all with their energy crisis. <laughs> <laughs> They've got no, their, their problem is not the charger. Their problem is what happens on the other side of the plug, yeah, right? that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, Anderson, I mean, the problem with this, of course, is that anyone who owns an Apple will be forced internationally to get rid of their chargers and everyone will have to buy a new charger. That's the downside. Anyway, every Apple customer. That's it's the downside. the downside, Richard. I'm more a charger guy. I, I could take or leave the phone. You know, nothing but trouble as far as I'm concerned, the telephone, but I like the charger. So what I like to do is uh, get a one of each of the chargers and just have them around the home and then be uncontactable because I did not buy the phones themselves. Like that's the life that I like to live where someone's like, I was trying to call you and I was like, oh, I can't find either of my phones at the moment. I don't know what's going on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have Gene Kitson, Tommy Dean and Will Anderson. How's the new show going, Will? Question everything, you know, with Jan Fran and all the, well, fabulous people, including our, our old TJ friend O'Loughlin on, uh, on this weekend, on, on, uh, during so this week. It's been so much fun, uh, particularly to do it in front of a live studio audience. And I will do a shout out to anyone in Sydney who's do, not doing anything Tuesday evening. Uh, if you go to Eventbrite, there's a link to question everything. You can come and be in our studio audience for free. It's a really fun show. We film for about an hour and obviously the jokes we cut out are the fun ones you get to just have yourself there in the room. Um, so these so are the jokes really that, that, that are worse than anal beats. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Look, anything that like you know starts in Ida and ends in Buttrose tends to get cut out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but you can hear them if you join the live audience. Go to uh, event, uh, Eventbrite. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Gene Kitson, Tommy Dean, and from the new ABC TV show, Question Everything, Will Anderson. Um, the um, This year's Nobel Prize for Medicine has been won by the Swedish scientist Savant Pabo, whose father won the same prize in 1982, the Nobel Prize for Medicine. What's the prize that could have been won by your father for which you might also now be in contention? Will Anderson. Well, it might not surprise you, Richard, that my dairy farmer, non-drinking uh, father, and I don't have a heap in common. So <laughs> I had to think, I had. To, I, I know that you were trying to go for a fun answer, but I'm going to give you a real answer for this one, which was that my grandfather, we have this in our family. My grandfather, he uh, was awarded the Order of Australia. So he was James Anderson OA. And my dad w- was as well. So he is Graham James Anderson OA. For, 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 sorry, for um, uh, work for agriculture or, or what? Contribution yeah, service, to agri- yeah, service, service, contribution to the community, you know, a community <laughs> service and all those things, yes. <laughs> and uh, I am William James Anderson uh, OA. The OA for me stands for osteoarthritis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, you'll get there in the end. You wait, it'll be We'll a... nominate you now. <laughs> That's right. You can be a double OA. OA. Services <laughs> to anal beads. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. No, I think they win the prize. They are the... <laughs> service. <laughs> hey.
Jean, what about your dad, your lovely dad? Oh, yeah, my lovely dad. I would like to have things in common with him. I would like to, I try, like this week I fixed the leash, the dog leash by adding olive oil and it clipped on and off. So, you know, like I'm pretty handy like dad. He can fix an engine. I can fix a dog leash. Because he was I, a mechanic, right? He he was an old school mechanic. He would have been an engineer if he'd had the education. He fixed everything, built everything. He's very resourceful. So in some ways he's also really patient and not just because he lives with my mother. But he, so maybe he should, he should get the Nobel Peace Prize. I'm quite... <laughs> Quite patient, except when it comes to red car drivers who are idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I would like to be as resourceful as, you know, the, the White Top Mountaineers were talking about. You'd like to make your own guitar. I'd like to do, yeah, but I'd like to make my own everything. Like Dad would make everything. You know, he'd be, he built everything. He built our house. Consequently, we had 11 doors opening onto the lounge room <laughs> and one of them was a bathroom door. But still, I admire him and he's still with us, 95, and mum's 97. But I think what they have is um, maybe we could share a, the Nobel Prize for economics because I like to go – I just shop – Frugally and at the op shop. Right. Yeah. So maybe the Nobel Prize for home economics or frugal economics. <laughs> frugal economics, for not following Adam Smith theory, following Adam Smith family. Not the invisible hand, <laughs> but the invisible wallet. Yeah, right. I buy tongs. You know, you can buy tongs, cooking tongs at Audi for a dollar. But I'll go to the op shop because I like to recycle. So maybe we have that in common. We just try to we do things ourselves, and we try to be really. So that's not really funny hmm. either. This is no, no. We got serious. a we got a trio of uh, of AOs. We've yeah. now got a duo of Nobel Prize for frugality. <laughs> what about you, Tommy? First off. Did anybody check that he didn't just steal his dad's extra work? <laughs> I'm a little worried. Leftover yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dad, I was looking through some of your notebooks. Anyway. Uh, well, that's slightly <laughs> a different topic, though. Yeah, yeah. It was about the – he's the guy who's discovered the Neanderthal DNA and realised how much uh, all of us have been all – of, all of us have got Neanderthal DNA and how important it's been. Did he use, like, a coloured light? Was it, a like, CSI? <laughs> just went in. Hold on. We got some stray DNA in this crime scene. It well, comes up yeah. green. What the heck? Yeah. Well, we uh, so anyway, uh, here's what I'm excited about. I didn't realise that I sort of moved into my father's business. I hadn't, hadn't really reflected on that. Uh, my father spent most of his uh, career uh, in various government agencies at uh, mid-management, project management. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember clearly one of his pr- most proud moments when he was working for the Department of Motor Vehicles for the state of Arizona. Uh, he came home with the uh, newsletter, and he had been voted uh, most kind boss. Wow. And this is in the era before the Charger. Yeah, way before So he, the he couldn't even lend someone his yeah, Charger. It was like a long list, you know, like most inspirational and friendly bosses, and Dad was number one. Wow. Oh. And so I was... Uh, just thinking, maybe that's uh, maybe I can set my sights on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I got this uh, big office work. Yeah. Have a word to have a word to my yeah. boss. Say, listen, Doctor Kerry Chant. Yeah, everybody likes you, but maybe you should put me out more front. Put me out more in front. 
Will, Will Anderson might not have caught up with this, uh, but Will, let me explain. Tommy, for the first time in his life, has got a, a proper job and it, it actually is just sort of wide-eyed with wonder about what it involves and he just tells us these things as if no one in the whole world other than him has ha- ever had a proper job. And do we understand that, for instance, uh, that you can, when you buy your coffee, they give you a little stamp and you get the 6-1 free? Do, the, do we understand <laughs> that someone right. comes over to char- you know, borrow your charger? He, he just thinks this whole world is, is it's, it's like a, a person has gone to the most beautiful paradise. Yeah, well, he just mm. he was just paid for a public holiday. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was looking at my pay slip, and there was a note that said, "Oh, you may not realize it, but the Queen died. You should have some cash." Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was they, at home they... morning, and my bank account was ticking over. You come to the wrong person to ridicule Tommy. Uh, obviously, <laughs> to me, Richard. Like, I mean, I, I I want to hear more of these tales. It is a foreign world to me. Like. I've, I've not experienced any of those things either. I'm a person who's at home in my tracksuit pants and Ugg boots right now yeah. doing my job. So. No, it's going to happen in 10 years' time. You'll get a proper job and you'll right. come on TJF and you say, wow, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, now, are we ready for the wheel of death? Here Heck are the topics yeah. that have come in. Uh, bare feet, socks, windscreen wipers, beach volleyball, potholes, sparkle, call centres, passion fruit, octopus, la- line dancing, trombone, mousetrap, drums, and puddles, which one fill you full of fear, Tommy? Well, I have to say, uh, mostly I'm more concerned if call centers were to come up because that is uh, somewhat adjacent to what we do, and I may have to go into more job details. Mm, that will be exciting. Mm. Let's spin the wheel. Round and round and round it goes. Where it stops. Too much WD-40, Richard. Oh, it's going so I will bring up a thing that has uh, <laughs> been a point, of, a, a point of contention uh, at work for a while. Yeah. Beach volleyball, by the way. Beach volleyball. Yeah. Is, uh, but we, uh, we have to occasionally make calls to various uh, organizations to get details about things. And I am of the mind that when you call in a professional capacity... Uh, to get a question answered by another professional capacity. Uh, the conversation does not have to begin with, Hi, Richard, uh, this is Tommy. I'm calling from another office mm. uh, that you're not aware of and you don't know me. How are you? How are things? So should it be more brutally efficient? Yeah, hi, Richard, I need to know where is file six. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Mm. You're not going to win the sort of certificate that your dad won with that attitude. I don't work for I don't work for that office. I'm saying around. I'd be like, I'll get that certificate. You bet, Jane. Uh-huh. You need file six. I'll get it for you. Leave it with me. So your policy is to be lovely to everyone you work with yeah. directly. He but brings in cakes. Yeah, but well, anybody who's on the other the side of the boss? other side it's of the moat. Because when I answer the phone, people are like, "Hey, <laughs> uh, Tommy, this is John uh, from Floor Six. I'm just curious, uh, where's file four? I don't want to talk to him about how his day went. No, it's. It's in the drawer. Those people from <laughs> right next to file three, yeah. where those, it should be. Those people, if from, you guys are doing your job, those people from floor six, they're bastards. <laughs> I hate those people. They're you know, I'll tell you a little secret: all even number floors. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the subject is beach volleyball. Tell me which that. is which is? Let's let's. Uh, we talked about uh, the inspiration for bluegrass music. Uh, there is no doubt uh, in the history of beach volleyball. Beach volleyball was formed. In the minds of people in the world round, when Tom Cruise, in his goal as, as young Maverick in the original Top Gun, when him and Goose beached up against Val Kilmer and whoever Val Kilmer's partner was, because mm-hmm. no one remembers who Val Kilmer's wingman was. <laughs> Am I right, Will? Does anybody remember who Will? Who was Val Kilmer's wingman? No, I don't remember. Yeah, no one Val remembers. Kilmer's. Goose. We cared about Goose. Nobody cared about Val Kilmer's wingman. 
But they sure saw a lot of Val Kilmer's chest and Tom Cruise's oily muscles. And that was when we thought, you know what we should do on beaches? We shouldn't be like mending fishing nets. <laughs> no, you know, we should volleyball. Yeah. And then, and, then it, and then you know where it went big? Sydney. Sydney then took up the mantle and said, well, you know what we're going to do? We are going to build beach volleyball on an actual beach. People were just playing sand volleyball. Technically, it was just sand volleyball. So it had the Bondi. But then at the 2000 Olympics, yeah. go down to Bondi, they laid it out on one of the world's greatest beaches and got some of the world's greatest bodies together and said, play hand tennis. And we went, hell yeah. Hell yeah, we'll play hand tennis. And then there was a thought. They thought, how can we get, the truth of the matter is, uh, volleyball players are very well-developed jumpers. And speaking of butt dancing, <laughs> it is one of the greatest developments <laughs> in sport. And, but, then, but then we were also aware that it was unseemly to stare at the opposite sex's butt when they were competing athletically. But they thought, well, that's what people want to look at. Yeah, but we can't just do it on purpose. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put signals Behind our back. <laughs> and they would hold down various signals, which they would always say were tricky signs to the server about how the serve was about to go. It was a tactical maneuver. It'd be rude not to yeah. study what they're it, doing. It, it, we had to. Right. There's so many different symbols and so many different ways to but hit they're... a handball over a net. <laughs> Are they going to go with the loosey-goosey punch? Are they going to go with the back corner crunch? Are they going to go with the deep wiggly wiggly? It's hard to know unless we stare at their butt. The butt will tell us. Oh, that's beach volleyball. Put two beach volleyballs side by side. What does it look like? A butt. It's a butt. It's butt sport. And that is the glory. That is the glory of the sport that is called. The sport that is called beach volleyball. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Well, those thongs, they don't, you can't even you call them a, a uniform. uniform. Yeah, does he die or does he live? He no, he definitely lives on. Thank God block. it's Friday. Oh. We have Gene Kitson, Tommy Dean and Will Anderson with us for Thank God It's Friday. Now, we all know about P plates and L plates, but now a new R plate is being recommended for display by returning drivers who may have been off the road for a while and therefore a bit tentative in their driving. It's only fair that the rest of us be warned. What are the other warning plates that should be made available to your fellow motorists? Will Anderson. Well, firstly, this is a little too close to home for me because in my early days of driving, I was not a bad driver, but I was an easily distracted driver to the point where one of my friends, to make the point that I needed to pay more attention, got me some bumper stickers that said, uh, I got rear-ended by Will Anderson and all I got was this lousy bumper sticker. So <laughs> that was a wake-up call to me. Because I'm not one of those people who believes I'm a good driver. And that gives me empathy for other drivers. So I like this. I like the idea that if I see that, I can look out for that person and sort of be a bit more understanding. Because there is a difference on the road between someone cutting you off to get their sick kid to hospital or cutting you off to get their rich kid to polo lessons. Like, you, you need to know what is the scenario that's going on. <laughs> so I'm into this. Um, so I've got a bunch of ideas. Firstly, um, eye plates. For people who think they're invisible in yeah. their car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's warning. I ignore them at traffic lights. They're going to be picking their nose, 100%. <laughs> now, there's eye with a circle around it and a line through it. And that is, just so you know, my indicator does work, but I have no intention <laughs> of using it. Yeah, yeah. I could go anywhere I want. That's very uh, similar to one that I was thinking of, Will. But I think what, the way we make that work even better is you put it 
over the indicator light. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bravo, sir. Uh, I, I also want our P plates. I know we already have P plates, but this is P-E-E plates, as in <laughs> yeah. I'm driving like this because I'm really stressed because I'm busting for a wee. Yeah. And then I'm like, I get it. I'll let you through. I've been there. And then uh, E plates for people who've just been through the drive through and are eating while driving uh, may swerve suddenly when drop McFlurry into lap. <laughs> it's interesting you say you don't drive very well. I feel I don't drive very well, but it's a very rare thing for anyone to say. I've, I feel when everyone I say Everyone thinks they're a good driver. Everyone thinks they're a good they driver. I'm an excellent driver. Yeah. And when I say yeah. actually, yeah. and I, I'm forced to say it because my car is absolutely covered in, in dings. And I, <laughs> I cannot go from one end of a farm to another without hitting three farms. <laughs> gates. So I, I'm forced to admit it and people people are quite taken aback when you say you're, you're only you're a, a bad driver. Well, you're, a, you know, you're a, only a mediocre driver. Oh, yeah. it's like just saying you're a bad tipper or something. Yeah. It's like a reflection. People never admit that they're bad drivers in in fact, uh, but it, it, despite the fact that it's obvious from driving for about a minute in Sydney that the world is yeah. full of people like Will and myself. Well, if you had these plates, you have an excuse. Instead of just saying BD, bad driver, you can go, you know, like eating or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever all those things that Will said. You know the R plates they're introducing, rep- you know, a returning driver. Yeah. Returning drivers are usually coming back after having lost their licence for drinking under the influence. Do you? D-U-I, right? Oh, okay, right. So if you have a returning driver plate... D-U-I. It just, D, yeah, D-U-I, drinking under... I keep calling it D-U-I. D-I-Y. DIY drivers. A DIY That's driver. That's where you build, the, you build the car first, like like a guitar maker. Yeah. yeah. No, they're the oh, – yeah, okay, sorry. I thought they were the drink-it-yourself people. <laughs> so, no, you're right. <laughs> so you've got to get – you steer clear of the returning driver because now the returning driver is just saying, I'm back, I've got my licence back, but I'm still drinking, basically. The, the, the DIY driver is the driver who's just been to Bunnings and has put it all on their <laughs> yeah. roof racks but hasn't really roped it down properly so you can see the load swing from side to side. I did that with an umbrella yesterday. I was getting both my elderly parents in the car with their double, you know, their walkers from the, the doctors and I put the umbrella on the roof and I was, I was backing out, I hear this noise and I think, I hit something, but I just yeah. ran over the, my own umbrella. Your own umbrella. Like it wasn't, I didn't put mum on the roof. Well, you there's, know, your, like, there's your Mary Poppins career. And there's V-plate, V-plate, because a V-plate apparently is um, for virgin. Oh, okay. That's they're, your V plate. They're not. There are not, not very many of them available in Sydney. No, well, that's it. Was all the go, you know, back in the day. Not my day, but back in, yeah, you know, like in some generations, m- millennials. Uh, I think it stands for Volvo, but still, same v. thing. Uh, Tommy Dean, what what uh, plates do we need? Look, I think uh, the opposite. I think we're overplating. Uh, like I was thinking about all the different things that I pissed me off in driving in Sydney, and then I thought you could just put that under one big generic C plate. Mm-hmm. Just put the C plate on, <laughs> and we know, we know, and it covers a lot of situations. But that's just a good. But then I thought, you know what? Confused, confused. Yeah. But then I thought, cataclysmic. You know, no, but then I wanted to make it positive. Yeah. Make it positive. That's, we should have a C plate, and everybody else can just drop their plates. And people like myself, mm-hmm. and a big C plate says conscientious. Ah, um. you know, you need to, you need to get, you need to get in here. I mean, I, I've been sitting in this line to uh, exit onto the bridge uh, for the last five minutes, but. If you need to get in in front of me, you just come on in. I'm conscientious. But you're a health worker. You you just yeah, you should you should be the person who's driving. Because I know the... I know two things. Here is my my like my greatest teaching in the world. When I was teaching my children how to drive, the only lesson that sticks in their head is that here is my motto for all of driving: you can't beat Sydney. 
No matter what you do. Oh, you can't beat Sydney. You can't yeah. beat Sydney. Sydney's always going to win. No matter how hard you drive. Yeah. I, I pointed out all the time. Find a guy that's being a jerk. Cuts you off. Jumps through a yellow light. All right. He's winning the race. Now, yeah. a couple minutes later, there he is. Yeah. Right in front of you again. Because he thought he could beat he Sydney. He thought he could beat Sydney. You can't beat Sydney. You can't beat Sydney. Can't beat Sydney. <laughs> it's so true, that observation, though. As someone who came, like came to Sydney, you know, 25 years ago from Melbourne, you know, Melbourne is just like all lines in a row. You know, it's just so easy to understand. And then you come to Sydney and it feels like it was designed by the Joker in the Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to create chaos. I can't. You're, you're the, you, you were the ones with the hook turn, right? Yeah, you can do that because the roads intersect at like right angles. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Right. it's got little yeah. diagrams. You just <laughs> really, follow them. And if you miss your turn, it's easy to get right back. You do a block. You can't do a block in Sydney. We, we, had, we, had, a, we had a relative who was suffering from, uh, you know, virtually uh, incipient blindness and she was going to the, uh, the, the clinic to have her blindness treated and she was driving herself and Deborah said, are you sure you should be driving yourself since you're suffering from incipient blindness? And she said, it's all right, it's Melbourne, dear, the roads are very straight. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you do rather overconfident. Yeah, you just sort of stick, your, you stick your wheel in the tram track. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you go, go for it. Now, scientists have been cheering this week the discovery on Lord Howe Island of a cockroach they'd previously Previously thought was extinct, and the rest of us found it hard to match their enthusiasm. Wondering if we really need another cockroach. What are your least favourite animals, and how come? Will Anderson. Uh, okay, uh, what am I? I? In 1935, there were 2,400 of me, and today they estimate there are 200 million of me. Bed bugs. Uh, Cane toads. Cane toads, right. Cane toads. Oh, uh, my God. This horrible destruction. They're coming towards New South Wales. They're finding them closer to Sydney. One of the greatest mistakes that people have ever made in the history of our country. They were introduced to Australia to stop cane beetles. They became the pests themselves, and they didn't even do much about the beetles because apparently the beetles lived at the top of the cane, and the cane toads <laughs> can't jump that high, so they couldn't even get the beetles in and, and that now that I live in the Northern Rivers, like I'd never experienced them before, but you go up there and you have all these ideas about like, I'm a vegetarian of 25 years. Like I'm an animal lover, you know, and, and like, but you're told by everyone, yeah, they're a pest. You have to kill them. That's like, you know, your responsibility. That's what you're actually meant to do. And you have all these ideas that you're going to do it the humane way and put them in the freezer and and you do do that, but then after a while, your, your freezer looks like you're in like Silence of the Land and you're some Hannibal Lecter that's targeting cane toads. It's like I, I was thinking about getting one of those deep freezers just to put all the cane toads in. So after a while, you 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 become a different person. Like they've changed me because now what I consider a humane way is a shovel. That's, the, that's yeah. what I'm now doing. Mm. A shovel. A shovel. That's as humane as they get. I know. I've had a similar a similar experience with cane toads, where the except ours went the other way around. The intention was to shovel it, like just whack it, and then we decided to put it in the freezer. But we couldn't even do that. We did neither. And then you have this all this guilt because you saw a cane toad and you didn't kill it. And that cane toad has now given birth to another five thousand million. Stop it! That was a long time ago. There will there'll be even bigger numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's like I'm responsible for one of those millions, (laughs) probably. What's uh, what's your what's your least favorite animal? Well, I don't. I like I like most animals. I like rats. Can't don't don't care about most animals, except the ones that like midges. The ones that get on your body, ticks. 
midges. Husbands. The, oh, yeah, those. <laughs> those. Of course. Well, that's a given, right? That's a given. My least favourite. No, no. I love you, darling. Um, but so, yeah, no, but I was thinking more like the animals who have like a mouth like a squid jig, you know, like and they latch onto you and they leave their heads like ticks. Uh, they leave their and heads leeches, behind. leeches. Leeches, I don't mind. You just put your cigarette on them when you used to smoke. That's what you do. You just get a cigarette on them and they'd fall off. Although my dog my dog got a leech, you know, and then I'd take it to the vet because I forgot how to get rid of leeches and I didn't have a cigarette. Yeah. And the dog had a leech on its belly and I took it to the vet and they're going, salt, you put salt on it. I go, oh, yeah, of course you put salt on it. They couldn't find salt and then they found this big, you know, grinding salt, <laughs> not your saxa. Talk about And they charged me $200. Well, of course they were using French salt. They were using, yeah, Himalayan salt. <laughs> get the leech off. Anyway, anything that gets on your body and sucks your blood and things of yuck. I think the, the, the vet was the leech on that occasion. <laughs> uh, t- Tommy Dean, what, what's the animal you don't like? Look, you know, I know there's a lot of insects. Uh, clearly not fond of those. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about it. I'll tell you, I, it hit me. It hit me. You know, the one, the one I really literally is my least favourite, and they come in a lot of different varieties, mountain goats. Mountain goats. Mountain. Yeah. So up themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What the heck is a mountain goat doing? Cloven-hoved <laughs> creature sitting sideways on an environment it has no business being on, yet handles it with more dexterity and deafness than cats. It makes no sense. Yeah. They have weird hairstyles. They have little beards. They're like these hermit philosophers of the Alpines, and they just literally make no sense. They make no sense. Mm, you need a Greek cookbook and a roll of alfoil. That would be so much better. <laughs> My dream is just an avalanche of potatoes and oregano, followed by an oil shower and then a fire. <laughs> I just, I mean, again, like not to, I mean, absolutely you're entitled to your own opinion, but I couldn't be further from you on this one. Oh, okay, yeah. Like mountain, I, I dig their whole vibe. Everything you just said was like, you know, like butter to my tongue. I was just like, I like this for mountain goats. I need to get more into mountain goats. <laughs> like Tommy's really selling me on mountain but goats. But they destroy right the, now. you know, if you've, if you've got a little bit of a fruit tree happening, they, uh, they'll just destroy it. They're, they're mongrels. Not just Will. goat That's goats. I'm not talking about goats. No, no. Goat. Tommy's talking about the goats that can climb a damn wall mm. and graze and just so on clear, a damn wall. I know that it's yeah. actually a personal envy. Yeah, well, you, you've, got a, you've got a beard like a mountain I know, goat. And, but I have no dexterity and I trip over curbs. <laughs> uh, I have the same hatred of people on roller skates. Oh, yeah. How so dare they have yeah. such freedom? You want to be a mountain goat. Okay, okay, that's, okay yeah. that's inside. Inside. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, isn't that really what we hate the most is what we want right. to be? So Will wants to be a cane toad. He totally oh, does. No. <laughs> oh, no. And Gene wants to be a leech. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, thanks. Right. Who were the winners and losers of this week? Tommy Dean. Uh, I think the big winner was rich people. And they win so much. But yeah. such a big week for them when all the politicians were saying, look, we know that we need some money. And we know you got heaps of money. But we don't want it. You keep it. <laughs> we, we promised you years ago when we had some money that you could keep your money. So you just keep it. Yeah. Just keep it. We have, we, we have, we have it'll money. destroy the economy, but, but you keep it. Keep it. It's You'll more important fine. you keep it's it. more important. Yeah. So good, winners. And uh, the great loser <laughs> this week, and also just a winner if you watched the viral video, uh, in the American gridiron, uh, the Los Angeles Rams were playing in a football game last week, and a man ran on in protest of something, but ran onto the field carrying a pink smoke bomb and running around, and one of the Los Angeles Rams' defensive players, Bobby Wagner, stepped out and just 
crushed him in a tackle that reminds you that oh. real humans should never bounce <laughs> off of football players. Will Anderson, who uh, who were the winners and losers of this week? Uh, I'll, I'll start with the lo- – well, like, they're kind of the losers of the week, but they're rich people, so they'll be fine. I'm talking about the rumours, the reports that Tom Brady – and uh, Giselle might be divorcing, uh, you know, uh, according to sources, Richard. So, <laughs> so we can really trust this. They haven't seen each other in three months, but they are rich people who live in a mansion. So mm. they just might be in different rooms of the house and haven't seen each other <laughs> in three months. But, um, uh, you know, here's what I, you know, that your relationship probably isn't working out when you're Tom Brady and you've been playing football until you're 45 years old and you go, home for 40 days to the most beautiful woman in the entire world. Like Jesus made it 40 days in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights. And Tom Brady couldn't, a mansion for 40 nights with the world's most beautiful woman. He was like, I've got to go back to playing football. So that feels like you've really made your choice. Um, uh, I'm going to say winner of the week. Uh, This man just impresses me more and more. And I think it's because, there's a part of him I relate to. I'm talking about Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. And because Tommy, I don't know if you feel the same way about Zelensky, like, but Zelensky was a stand-up comedian, mm. right? Like that's how he started. He actually played the president of Ukraine on Ukrainian television. And people were so convinced with his performance that they voted him the president of Ukraine. That is, and then then he's in a war with Russia. A guy who was doing stand-up comedy 10 years ago is now in a war. Like, I follow everything that he does because I just find that compelling that just somebody we're doing stand-up comedy with might suddenly be in a war with Russia. And it's also, like, how convincing was he in that role? That is like us saying we shouldn't give John Wood the Logie for Blue Healers. We should make him chief of police. We love him. And I think gun. Will Anderson for uh, for president, I think. Uh, Jim Kitts and Tommy Dean. And Will Anderson, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, next week, Beck Melrose will be here, Dane Simpson and Tommy Dean. Music from the great Harry Manx. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. And thank God it's Friday! Question everything. <laughs> <laughs>